Welcome to episode 27 of the Flag Stays Down podcast. Hard to, hard to think of a number 27, so furthest I can go back was Jamal Blackman, current uh, LAFC keeper. So happy happy Jamal Blackman day. Man, it's, a, it's, been a, it's been a week. I feel like I'm starting to say that every week now, but uh, this week has really been one between, you know, Roman officially putting the club up for sale, uh, team shit in the bed against Luton Town, team shit in the bed the first half against Burnley. It was a it was a roller coaster of a week. How how you guys coping? How you guys going into next week? Cope, coping with alcohol, <laughs> but uh, but but all, all in all, two wins. So you know we, we say it a lot, but man, it, as long as we're winning, I'm I'm a happy camper. So I don't care how we get there, as long as we end up pulling it out. So I'm I'm all right, and uh, I think we'll get into the schedule a little bit later in the episode, but a, a calmer schedule coming forth. So. Uh, it's it's less daunting so i'm uh, i'm a little bit better for anybody that has listened to or watched the men in blazers i'm starting to understand where roger bennett gets his uh his mindset about everton i i, I really start to understand that in a, in a much new uh in a much new respect um yeah very nervy week um, still a lot of things undecided. Obviously, the future of the club still a big talking point. Um, but again, points are points, wins are wins. You know, you got to win ugly sometimes. And well, I think we've come pretty close to mastering that this season. So take what you can get. Collins, what about you? You know, that's again, it's it's been kind of a struggle of a week. Uh, for those of you who listened to our emergency pod midweek, um, that was probably the most emotional I've been on a pod um, or just in life in general. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's been just that kind of week. So I'm, uh, I'm coping with uh, something new, a little, little Mobcraft cider, uh, hard, hard apple cider. So b- big fan, big shout out to Mobcraft and uh, here in Milwaukee, soon to be in Denver, Colorado as well. Um, Oh, Matt's got some as well. The, the the Kringle Monster. Oh, that's classic. That's good stuff. It is quite good. Um, yes. I have have that as a as a chaser behind the uh, the bourbon. So it's been that kind of week. <laughs> Ditto. And cider pot, I guess, because I uh, I went to the Minneapolis Cider Co on Friday and, and met up with some friends. So I guess it's just the cider week. Full circle. It's all full circle. So Parks, we, we, you know, I mentioned the pod we did uh, earlier this week. We, we missed you on that one. Um, but real, real curious to, to get your thoughts for, again, for those of you who haven't listened, for those of you who have been living under a rock, uh, Roman Abramovich officially announces that he's going to sell the club. Uh, net profits are all going towards victims of the Ukraine-Russia uh, war. Um, then he's not, he's not going to make the club pay him back the one point five million dollar or sorry billion dollar billion with a b loan uh that he made so you know overall some some up and down feelings from our pod but real curious to, to get your take on on what happened well um first just thank you boys for for handling the emergency pod and apologies for not being able to make it um i thought you guys did a a real good job and in, in, you know handling the emotions day of kind of a thing is never an easy uh, way to way to tackle an issue like that. I I have the luxury of getting to kind of sit back and and digest it a little bit more. Um, but yet still, my thoughts are all over the uh, all over the gamut. So I kind of I usually don't rehearse anything on on this podcast. It's usually pretty free form. And and but I did want to like write down a couple of things and, and get to just a you know a couple of of high level topics. Um, it, it, all I can say is is thank you, Roman. That's like the first and foremost thing I can say. Um, I never thought I would have a platform to say this. Like I never anticipated having a podcast where people, some people tune in <laughs> weekly and, and listen. Uh, it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's kind of wild. So I have this and I'm going to take the time to say thank you, Roman, because um, Matt, to your point, I, I don't know if I'm a Chelsea fan, if Roman Abramovich isn't there. Um, you know, I, I, I picked the team that I picked based on some of the players that were there. We've gone over sort of how we became Chelsea fans before. 
I don't know if we have those players. I don't know if it's as alluring to, to go there, um, you know, for me to go there as a, as a fan. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I am, um, but I'm just really thankful that I am because I really like this club. And uh, the one story I did want to touch, I don't think I've told this story on this pot, so I'm sorry if I have, but I think it's worth bringing it up again um, because, um, you know, you guys talked about fans and flat plastic fans and people who kind of, are thinking about not being Chelsea fans now going forward. And uh, my fandom for Chelsea kind of got tested the first time I went to London. So I went there, I went to a Fulham match on a Tuesday. I went with my older brother too. So went to a Fulham on Tuesday, great match, great environment, really fun. We hopped on a train, went to Liverpool. Uh, my older brother's a Liverpool fan and I had an awesome time at the Liverpool match. The environment was really cool. We went out downtown Liverpool. Uh, it wasn't even a win. I think they drew Leicester 1-1 that day. And uh, the, the the locals were awesome. They, you know, were telling us, anytime you come in, you know, text us. We, we got you. We'll hook you up with tickets. And, you know, you can sit wherever you want. You'll pay face value, nothing more. Just like the environment, it was cool. It was a working town. And I'm thinking to myself, like, whoo, okay. Like, okay, Liverpool, like, you're, you're doing it big. It's uh, It was a cool environment. I'm not going to lie. And uh I had a lot of respect for the people that that treated us very well. Uh, and we're just thankful that we kind of came over. And I went to Chelsea and uh, Chelsea was in a bit of a slump. Um, and there were some uh, some who's and has and some rumbles in the crowd and very disappointed fans in the, in the stands. And they ended up pulling it out and getting the win. But it was just kind of like this. Uh, the, the, the feeling was different. And and I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know exactly what was kind of going on. So I. Yeah, I'm leaving this match thinking like, man, did I, as an as a uninformed you know, American, did I pick the wrong team? Did I do this wrong? So Jordan and I go to a bar uh, after the match. You know, I have a couple couple drinks. We go on to a, a patio where there's, you know, smoking available, like a little terrace patio, beer garden kind of a thing. And there's a group of like 15, what looked like 18-year-olds, but I'm sure they were of, of legal drinking age. And one of them just kind of goes, double, double, double. John Terry has won the double. And the shit's from the lanes of one fuck all again. John Terry has won the double. And I'm like, I'm in the right spot. Man, and they sang songs all night. They had a blast. And I left that bar like, this is what it is. This is being Chelsea. And it was a great feeling. Good full circle moment for me. And uh, and it's important to get tested in your fandoms. And I think this is a test for a lot of fans. You know, we're going to be in new territory without Roman. Hopefully not, but looks like it will be without Roman going forward. And part of me almost wishes that we were not great for a few years. So some of the plastic fans can kind of get the fuck out of here because I don't need it. I don't want to see it. And then the true fans can stay and we can all hang out and be Chelsea fans and no one can look at us and say like, oh, you're only supporting them because X, Y, Z. It's like, no, you go through the stuff, you go through the hard times, you go through the good times. And Chelsea doesn't even win everything every year. They're not, they're not PSG in the French league that just mops up, right? They, 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 you know, they compete and they're good, but they're not dominant like, like other clubs can be. So Collins, it was a whirlwind. Uh, it was emotional. I, I'm really sad by everything. And uh, I don't want to reiterate what you guys said because you guys said it pretty much perfectly. So I don't need to uh, reiterate it. And if you're interested, please go back and listen to, to what Matt and Andy had to say, because uh, I thought it was really well done, but uh, I, I, it was a tough day. I, I didn't want to believe it and I still don't want to believe it. And I'm left here wondering what post Roman looks like, but at the same time, knowing that I'm with my boys, we're Chelsea fans through and through we're going to be together no matter what. And we're still going to catch up on game days and still going to talk about it and, you know, still do this podcast. You know, I still want to keep doing this stuff. And even if we're not the same Chelsea, we'll be different. I think uh, it'll be for the better and we'll, we'll move forward and figure out what, what life after Roman or Chelsea 2.0 or whatever you want to call it looks like for us. So uh, apologies for the lengthy story, but uh, I thought it was important to share what what being a fan is and what being a fan to this club means to me and and how it's not always rosy and it's not always the most fun feeling and having to defend that I'm a Chelsea fan to everyone who says 
like, oh, you're just, you know, oh, Roman Abramovich, oh, you just buy everyone that you want, you know, you just buy all these trophies and all this stuff. And, you know, I just, I, I hate that. And it's not, it's not what it is for me. It's a lot different. So <sighs> that's it. I'll shut up. No, that, that was a great story. And you're, you're, you're spot on about like fandom being tested, you know, kind of making you a true fan, like in those instances, finding out that you're a true fan in those instances. Um, you know, for me, it was, it was the first firing of Mourinho. Uh, but I said, you know, I, I'm done. Like you guys fuck Mourinho. I, that's it. And sure as shit, two weeks later, <laughs> I'm back, back watching Chelsea games. Um, it's, you know, it, it, I can't remember if I said it or Matt said it. I'd had a few drunk drinks by the end of the pod, but, uh, dude, Ch- Chelsea's life. So, uh, ch- cheers to that. So Matt, you you did pose the question, and I've been waiting all week to hear your answer to it. Uh, are you a are you a Chelsea fan with no Roman, or you know, had there not been a Roman? Out of out of the three of us, I'm probably, and I want to phrase this correctly, uh, I am the less intense Chelsea supporter. That's kind of how I would. Oh, I would look at it. Um, still loyal to the club, everything like that. But I mean, Collins, you're you're kind of in your own echelon as far as Chelsea fandom and support. Parks, you're definitely second, and I'm coming up the ranks. <laughs> um, so, from my standpoint, you know, we we don't know anything but this, right? Like you come into something, and that's all you know. Um, you know, I'll, the way I'll kind of look at it is, you know, we talk a lot about how we played volleyball at Oshkosh, right? Before I even went there, I didn't know a ton about Oshkosh, like their volleyball and everything like that. I didn't really know a ton. I mean, Parker, you were pretty much local. Um, Collins, you and I, you know, Milwaukee um, or Milwaukee area and you know, we're like, okay, Oshkosh, whatever, we're going to go there for school. Well, some of us went there for school. Um, (laughs) And like, we didn't know much about it, but then you learn like, oh, we're actually, we actually have this reputation of being very good. Um, And, you know, with our our coach and our director at the time, who was kind of helping us through everything and, and stuff like that, you know, kind of leaving the whole program. That's all we knew. And I mean, you look at it now, um, our director has since gone on and taken up other, um, other avenues and other ventures. Um, and now it's like, well, I don't, I don't really look to see how they're doing. I'm kind of just, okay, whatever. Like, again, it's a, something that's way past our time now. I mean, whatever it like, we played volleyball there. Cool. And, and we go on from there. So, you know, at the time, again, you didn't know what stuff was like beforehand. You, you still really don't know what it's like after the fact. Um, but in, in this regard, obviously something a lot broader than just, you know, a small little school in, in Wisconsin, um, you know, I definitely make the time to watch Chelsea games. Um, my fiance knows that it is part of what I do on weekends and during the week. Um, you know, if there's a Chelsea game on, I'm not going anywhere. doesn't matter. I am not going anywhere. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, doing what I have to do. Um, so it, it's definitely been life-changing, right? Because it's something, you know, Collins, how many times have you and I gone to Highbury this year at six in the morning to, to watch, to watch the games, you know, parks, you're up with us too. Um, you know, we're texting back and forth and in, in the group chat and everything like that. So like, it is a, a part of our daily lives. And I think to, to say that it's solely that, or to say that things would change because Roman is not going to be the owner anymore. I, I, I don't think that's the case right? We, we didn't necessarily fall in love with Roman, right? We fell in love with the club. Whoever's in charge, that's a different story. It 
could have been somebody else who was in charge, right? And, you know, we obviously love the the players and, you know, I obviously became a fan because of you guys and, and started to just kind of adopt that same mentality. Um, so I, I think that, as Roman has said, it is club first. And I think that's the way that it's always going to be. So to answer your question, still Chelsea. Matt, I don't think you give yourself enough credit, man, because uh, you you're you're quite the fan still. I mean, you, you and you've become a big soccer fan in general. Like you're a bigger, you watch more soccer games a week than I do. I know that for sure. I don't know about Collins, but like you you watch other leagues and other matches when they're on. And I mean, I I watch a lot of Chelsea matches. I don't watch a lot of anyone else. If Norwich is playing Burnley, I'm not flipping it on. Like it's just. It ain't happening. And so, uh, but I applaud you for that. And you've become a, a, a good fan. And uh, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. So, so listener, he's being incredibly modest right now, but uh, you, you're, you're still quite the fan. You might not have started in 02, but it, it's fine. You're, you're still, you're still a Chelsea fan, man. You still watch every fucking game. It's, it's all right. I might've still been playing soccer in 02. <laughs> exactly. Didn't have a team necessarily, but I was, I might've still been playing, but that was, you know, a few knees and, <laughs> you know, a couple other body parts ago. So, but yeah, it's, I mean, obviously I don't think my love for the sport um, gets to this point without Chelsea. And again, didn't matter who was in charge. We probably could have gone through two or three changes. We could have been, you know, Newcastle or whatever, for example, right? With all their turmoil and everything. If you're a fan of the club, you're a fan of the club. Um, and I think whoever is the owner is, I don't want to say irrelevant, um, but you know, I've said this before. Play for the you play for the badge on the front, you don't play for for the name on the back. Well said. 100 percent and uh, give a couple Milwaukee shout outs there. Just one real quick shout out to a Milwaukee area native, Jesse Marsh, getting the role as a dirty leads manager. Hope you win everything except playing Chelsea. That's, that's all I got to say. Agreed. <laughs> all right. So transitioning to, to the actual football that was played this week, uh, you know, we had FA Cup tie, uh, Luton Town. 3-2 in that one, uh, kind of a, I mean, real definition of a roller coaster match. Uh, fortunately, I had to watch it on a pirated stream, so I don't, don't, don't necessarily recall all of it, and my phone has been acting up since, so I won't be doing that again. Uh, but then this weekend, we had Burnley away. Uh, Turf Moor, always a tough place to play. And again, up and down match. Less so of a roller coaster, more of just a straight elevator dropping. Uh, but it seems like a tale of two halves in both matches. And I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to get your guys' takes because I've been not so much hounding it on this pod, but it's been building in my mind uh, all season that Tuchel isn't a great first-half manager. We've talked about his lineups being kind of odd in the past. Uh, for whatever reason, he is the world's greatest halftime talk manager because we always come out firing in the second half outside of those first like two minutes. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to get your guys' take on whether this is just kind of isolated incident or whether this is, you know, maybe something Tuchel needs to work on. So I'll start with the Luton match. I, I've said this to you guys in a group chat. I'm sick of having to report on the games that are just absolute nightmares, right? And again, it's no fault of anybody's, right? We all have jobs. Parks, Collins, I know you guys are traveling. My ass is working from home. So I, I, I have that luxury. But I always get the shit games to watch and to like report on. And so, of course, the ones I have to watch in depth, and I'm just over here losing my mind. Luton Town was, again, very similar match. Um, just, I don't know. It, 
it seems like early in the season we were playing quick, we were playing aggressive, we were playing offensive. Um, I, I I don't know why it seems like play has slowed up, especially in the first half. Like you talked about, Collins, like we're trying to play so much out of the back and teams are constantly sitting back, right? We don't get our chances until we counter for, for what seems like the most part, it seems like a very Mourinho-esque style um, as far as like how we can score off the counter. Um, I know we're not playing for that, but it just seems like that's when we're most dangerous. Um, I don't know. It, that game was all over the place. I had way too many emotions going on at the time. Um, and obviously trying to trying to manage that and, and work and trying to look at different bits and pieces, trying to analyze it. Um, it's a lot, but I don't know it like at this point, the FA cup or any other, any other chance for a title besides premier league should be top priority. That, that's kind of how I look at it. And yeah, we've had injuries and we've had a lot of people um, with fatigue with all the matches that we've played, but at the same time, like, doesn't matter who's out there they all train with the first team they know the system they know what's asked of them um the only person you could argue would be rlc playing center back that that might be the only thing you can question but he did a great job even in that um i i was really pleased with his performance I, i just think that there's a lot of squad rotation and people out of out of their normal or comfort rotation as far as where they're playing. Um, and I think that makes things difficult, but at the same time, the overall concept and the overall tactics of the team really shouldn't be that much of an impact. Um, you know, where, wherever you are, you know, the role, you know, what's expected, you go through it in training, you know, who's going to be available, things that you should know. Um, I just think there's a lack of execution going on right now. Yeah, the, I did go back and watch the Luton Town match. So um, against my my greater judgment, Matt, no, I had to. I just it was weird though because I knew we won, so I wasn't worried. And I knew that if I was watching it live, I'd, I'd be like, "Are we gonna win? Like, are we gonna pull this off?" Like, so so that's a it's a weird thing when you watch the game, you know, kind of on replay. But uh, the other one besides RLC is Kennedy made his first you know start for Chelsea and. In years right like he hasn't he hasn't been out there with with the boys either so um i know he we, we called him like a month ago or so and so he hasn't had a full season kind of under his belt he's the other one i kind of give an excuse to but you're you're dead on it was it was slow it was uninspired and and then you mix that in with the unfamiliarity of people playing in different positions and and so we Nothing is more painful to me as a fan than slow buildup that leads to an errant pass that just gets turned over because you thought someone, you, I, I saw a ball uh, from the left side that went like between where Rudy would be and, and someone else on that right side. And it just gets picked off. And I'm just watching this like, man, you know, some, it, that's just a familiarity thing. And so that's where, uh, that's where the lineup kind of, you know, stalls out. So you mix those two things in together and a, a dream start for Luton, right? Like they scored on in the second minute or third minute on a really great corner kick that I don't think was the fault of anyone. I mean, it's about as perfect of a dream start you could have for Luton or it's a ball that only the person attacking it could get to. And he puts a header on it that hits the crossbar or the whatever. It's just, it's insane. So, um, Given that, and the, given the fact that after 1-1, one, one, Luton goes up 2-1 on probably a SAR error, right? I mean, SAR probably was out of position in that. In that and uh, and then just a really well-taken in-stride finish and a cool, calm, collected finish for Luton. Uh, I thought the boys showed a lot of character to come back. Um, it, it was one of those where I totally could have seen, especially with all the distraction going on with, with Abramovich and, and Tuchel having... I'll call it a blow up because the media called it a blow up, but you know, he's, he's getting asked these questions about war and he's just like, guys, you got to stop talking about war to me when we're, we're here playing soccer. You know, this isn't, this isn't the time and the place and I'm not here to comment on, on war situations. So I, I really liked his, his press response saying like, this isn't, 
the time and place to, to talk about these things. And I don't know about these things because I've, I've never fought in a war before. So it's pretty terrible, right? Uh, I thought the, I thought the guys showed a lot of grit to, to come back and, and actually gut out a performance. Um, but the first half was, was terribly stale and I saw zero creativity. So is it, is it the, the halftime talk Collins or is it just sort of like the kick in the ass or is it just the familiarity and, and, and sinking into the game, kind of, uh, getting familiar with your opponent and kind of digesting and understanding more. I don't know what it is, but, uh, I don't think it's the, the biggest trend that we've seen from our guys. And man, you guys are, you guys are spot on there with, you know, the, the slow buildup and the just kind of lackadaisical play. And it's, it's amazing when you look at the goals scored this week, who they were scored by, who was involved, who had the assist, who had the hockey assist. And it's, it's the guys who move. It's Timo Werner. It's Kai Havertz. It's Christian Pulisic. It's Reese James. It's, I'm sorry to keep sounding the horn on this, but it's, it, it, Rom stagnates the offense so much. And it's because he doesn't move. And, and we had talked about moving to the Burnley game where Kai Havertz hits that header at the back post. Yeah, Rom probably also finishes that, but does Rom even get there? Does Rom make the correction to, to adjust his body to make that header? You guys are shaking your heads. No, and absolutely no. No, he doesn't. He's he he'll turn. He'll give the thumbs up. He'll give a couple claps. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the king of the thumbs up. The I'm glad that Tuchel has seemingly started to build his lineups around guys who will move, especially in a game like 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 Burnley, where you know they're going to sit back and just pound you. You, you got to have guys who are going to make those runs. Uh, you know, I thought for as as out of position as Saul looked in that match, uh, I thought he did a great job getting into space down that left flank. Uh, again, Kai Havertz made great runs. Pulisic made great runs. The, the the second half of that Burnley match, and uh, and the second half of the, the Luton Town match, we saw a lot more movement, a lot more fluidity, and I. The, there's a common denominator there and it's it, it's brown <laughs> we we don't look good with him in. so one additional thing that i just want to throw out there or or do you, i don't know if you guys feel the same way but i'm almost more comfortable if we're down by a goal than i am if it's nil nil or if it's tied you see more energy out of the boys. You see them attacking game, attacking the game and taking control of the game. And I think that kind of fits into that first half, right? Like, like we've seen, they're kind of just almost moving it around a little bit, trying to, trying to like see what's open and nobody's really moving because I, I don't know if they don't know where to go, if they don't know what's open, familiarity. I, I don't know, but I almost seem better off if we're down a goal because I know that we're going to have even more chances going forward. The thing that I, I agree in principle there, but the thing that makes me nervous is that we can't finish. Like our finishing is so inconsistent that if we go down a goal, I'm like, well, we're not going to win this match. We might get a point. Whereas if, you know, if it's nil, nil, it's like, all right, we just need one ball to bounce to Christian Pulisic who happens to be a yard away from <laughs> Nicole, like that fourth one uh you know the, the, then at least you have the the shot of luck to steal three points but but absolutely absolutely Matt. we we do show more urgency we do show more movement when we are down than than when we're we're level there was a point in the Luton match i'm pretty sure it was a Luton match where uh rudiger took a strike and it kind of hit a deflection and it uh it was kind of open for for someone to take it and I'm thinking to myself, is our best offense Rudy blast and pray that it falls to someone on our team to, to get a goal? Like, are we really doing this right now? Is that is that what we've reverted to? Uh, I just was laughing to myself, like, because Rudy had a couple pretty good strikes that were pretty that, that were on target, at least. And, you know, 
he he gets more attempts than than Rom, and that's wrong. That's not that shouldn't be the case. And uh, he hasn't really scored one of those yet, but uh, he could, and it leads to some good things. So I don't I don't hate it, and it keeps people honest. So I I still think I still think the the narrative is going to be because he's getting closer on those. He, he's he's starting to be on target with them. He's going to hit one in a big game, and it's going to be the winner. And he's going to Mario Balotelli rip off the shirt, and the shirt's going to say, I signed the contract. I'm waiting for it. I'm ready. Not if you're right. Well, we, we have the funds now. I mean, we, we, don't have, we don't have to worry about Christensen anymore and re-signing him. So shell out the cash. Yeah, I, did, I didn't see Christensen. Is he officially gone? Uh, he took his medical today and passed. So it's just a matter of crossing T's, dot I's. But one thing I did see, shifting the transfers here, uh, we are essentially done with transfers until the ownership issue is sorted out. So if there were talks of the Usmane Dembele, uh, on a free, kind of heating up, those talks have ceased. Uh, Tuchel mentioned that he's thrown ideas to, to check into Marina, but no solid talks on who they're going to be targeting in the summer. Is, is this a worry for us? Is this something, you know, yeah, at least in my mind, I would like to think that everybody involved has got, you know, their, their NFL draft board, you know, every single player available, where you would rank them, something going into summer uh, and even even looking at the rudy contract i don't know what the status of that is now with with new ownership possibly coming in are, are, are things going to work themselves out do you, you know do you think roman's going to splash cash until somebody comes in or are we going to be kind of self-transfer banned this summer Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, uh, considering the last time we had a transfer ban, uh, who who came through our academy. Now I do, I know that that's a more temporary kind of look at life, and we got very very lucky. But I also look at guys like like Harvey Vale is a great example. If Harvey Vale had to come back and play for us alongside the 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 normal people that we've talked about a lot, like Billy Gilmore and and Connor Gallagher and um, Ambrosia for that matter, and if, if all four of them came back, I mean, those are pretty damn good signings if you think about it. And so uh, I don't think Roman's going to splash cash. I don't think uh, anytime a, a sale gets announced, usually this kinds of things get halted. Uh, and so money in, money out is, is a lot tighter guarded. And that's true for any kind of corporate sale of, of anything. So uh, I don't think he'll continue to fund transfers until it gets sold. And so I think we might be on a self-imposed ban, but I, I don't think it's the end of the world for us. I'm so the, the first thing that came to mind was Newcastle, right? They just had their, their takeover or I wouldn't call it takeover, but they just had their, their new ownership come in. It was at a perfect time, right? Where, the ownership did have the opportunity to splash cash on transfers right right in the middle of the season that january window we're looking mid march I, I don't know how many how much you can do as far as dealings go in march um usually the only thing you're going to see would be a free transfer but at that point people that are on free transfer or available for it they're probably in talks with other clubs already that are going to be in a more stable ownership situation than us. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we did that. Um, and Parks, you're dead on, right? I, I, I was seeing the exact same thing. You have the lone army and we've seen good things happen with people coming back from loan. You've seen good things coming out of the academy. The other piece of that is the injuries right we were without chills and reese for a while you immediately see the impact when reese is back 
chills I'm a little bit more hesitant on just because he's coming off of, of a big um, ACL injury. You know, those are usually tough to recover from. You don't know what you're going to get back out of that player after the injury. So I'm still a little hesitant on that. But if you look at our team as is, everybody healthy, why do we need to sign anybody with, with, with all the options that we have? Right. So we have everybody. We bring back Brogia, Gallagher, Gilmore. What what more do we have to go out and get? Right. And we would probably we're probably going to end up making money based off of selling of some people who aren't going to fit the system or who have been rumored to to leave or be on um, be kind of out of the club. So you're going to make profit on that. And then maybe you can talk about bringing in a, a big name or two. Um, but at, at, at this point, the way that the team is now, and if you look into summer when people are brought back from loan, I don't see a huge reason why we need to go out and spend cash given the team that we have. My, I, I agree with you guys. But I think the loan army will, will suffice. I think the academy will suffice except for the fact that I don't think it's going to fill our positions of need. You look at who we are automatically losing this year, it's going to be Christensen. It's looking like Dave. And the longer this drags on, the less faith I have in who you're coming back. So that leaves you with Tiago Silva, Malang Sar, Trev Chaloba. And that's it for your center backs. Yeah, you got Levi Colwell coming back on loan, and, and he's had a great year at Huddersfield. I know we joke about Matty Miazga, but he's not coming back. Like, <laughs> there's there's no chance of that. I I don't. Maybe Xavier Umbayamba, the the former Barcelona and Ajax youth player who was with our development squad, but he's supposed to be so highly touted. Why haven't we seen him this year? I think there's issues there, whether it be attitude, whether it be something else, because it's not injuries. Um, and then you look at the wing backs, and we don't really have. Anybody out there, unless you want to maybe call back Bakayoko, who can kind of play a wing back? Um, Lewis Hall. Yeah, I mean, he's give, give him a trot. I trust him over Alonzo. Man, I see that's the thing is like <laughs> your, your depth is Alonzo and a 17 year old. <laughs> I'll take the 17 year old. <laughs> I'd rather have neither. I'd rather have somebody established. Uh, well, but you also have Kennedy then, right? We talked about that. Give him a couple more. I think he's out of contract full season. Year. Well, honestly, it's not going to be probably that expensive to, to re-up him on, on a deal, especially if he's been on loan for the better part of his career. So I, I, I just think that we have options. But sorry, Collins, go ahead and finish yeah, we, we do have options. I just don't think that they're great options. And you, you look even further up the pitch. We have a shit ton of midfielders. I'm not worried about the midfield. But you look at, uh, you know, what, what have we talked about? Consistent finishing. And, yes, I think uh, Armando Broja is a, is a great option. But you're going to need some wingers, too. I mean, we, we, we don't have anything in the wings, so to speak, uh, outside of what we already have here at the club. So. I, I wish that that we could get some something done, but Parker, I think you're right. I don't, I'm not sure that Roman's going to spend cash on something that he's no longer actually invested in, and a new owner isn't going to sanction it before they've actually signed any paperwork. So the the quicker this transition is made, I think the better off we're going to be in the summer. I'm actually not afraid that. It, it, the new owners will be in a position to, to sign players in the summer when it comes time. I think we'll be, I think we'll be in a position to, you know, financially buy people, um, especially knowing who they're buying. And there's also, I did read uh, that, that Roman's looking to get some sort of financial guarantee put into the, into the contract of the new buyers that, that they will spend money and that they will kind of, uh, I don't know how to say it, abide by the way that things have been done in the past, I guess. So, I mean, when all eyes are on you as, as new ownership, that would be the time to, to spend at least some, you know, at least get 
two or three signings. It doesn't have to be, oh, we're getting Holland and Mbappe and Neymar and Messi and Ronaldo. Like we're not, we're, we're getting everybody like, look at us. It doesn't have to be that, but you know, two or three big name players that, that fill the holes that you mentioned Collins, because as much as I do like the, the young kids coming up, uh, you, you need options and you need depth. And when Chelsea has the potential to play 66 matches this year, you, and with injuries that come up, you, we've felt this depth. I mean, if you go back and listen to our early pods, we thought we were the deepest team in the league and maybe in the world. And we still might be, but at the same point, when you play this match, when you play this often and this frequently, uh, it, it, it hurts and you need that depth and you need those suitable options uh, coming off the bench and in the rotation. And I, it, with, with the new owners, you see this time and time again, you saw even Newcastle do this splash and how much on, uh, on Chris Wood, like 40 mil. Uh, new owners want to, want to impress the fans. They want to make an impact. They want to say, Hey, this is, this is what we're doing for you. So I, I think we're going to get, assuming the sale happens in the next probably month, month and a half, two months, I, I think we get one really big name signing and then hopefully some, some good depth pieces outside of that or some, some starters, especially at the wings. And I, I do want to real quick tra- transition to the wings because it's, it's been a hot topic all year. Matt, you were, you were kind of the, the spearhead of this topic. Um, but now it's starting to get noticed by everyone. And it's that Mason Mount is shit in the bed on a pretty consistent basis. Uh, you know, it, against Burnley, I guess it wasn't really shit in the bed. It was just that he didn't really do anything uh, or do much. And, you know, we, we have established players, Ziyech, especially on the right wing. Uh, Pulisic over his last couple of matches has looked good on the left wing. <laughs> What do, Matt, what, what do we do with Mason Mount at this point? So he is uh, – here's how I kind of understand where he's at right now. Last year he was the guy, right? I feel like he's trying too much. You've had – you have all these other players finally coming into their own, right? You have Kai coming into his own. You have Timo coming off the bench usually. Um, Christian is starting to play better. Ziyech has been in a run of form that, I mean, that's the reason why we signed him is for all, all the magic that he's pulled off. Um, I, I feel like he's still trying to be the Mason Mount of last year when we don't need him to be. And, you know, whether that's on him, whether that's on Tuchel, whoever, um, I, I just think that he's trying to do more than he needs to. Um, you know, he was a, a one-man wrecking crew last year, right? And, you know, we we saw the comparisons. Is he the next, you know, Aiden Hazard for Chelsea? Last year he had to be, right? Because we weren't getting a lot from, from other places, at least, you know, early in the season or even two years ago. He kind of became the, the face of the club. And now I think he, I think he just needs to realize that it's not all on his shoulders. And that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I feel just by watching him play, he's trying to take people one-on-one. He's trying to do a lot of intricate stuff that he, he doesn't need to do. Like he just needs a simple link up or a simple, you know, square pass, just very simple, basic things. And it, it seems it, it reminds me of kind of uh Ziyech when he was in you know his slump early on like he didn't really know what he needed to do but then he finally figured out you know here's what's going to work for me and I don't think that Mason is at that point because I think he was thrown into the gauntlet very early very kind of unaware nobody knew a lot about him Right. They knew that he was a good prospect in, in Cobham, but nobody really knew much about him in, in, in the Premier League. Took the Premier League by storm. And I think, you know, people have kind of figured him out. And he just needs to, I think, adjust his game or rethink his game to what's going to be best for the team and not necessarily himself. So Matt, what what do you do as Thomas Tupel? What do you do as the manager? Is it is it better to sit him for a couple matches is better to, to play him and let him as a young player kind of figure this out what do you think 
I think for right now, for right now, I would keep him out. Uh, like, obviously, keep him on the bench. But I, I wouldn't start him just because we've seen more, more effectiveness out of Timo. And, I mean, all three of us have been calling for, you know, we want Timo. Um, I feel like he provides a, a different threat. We know Mace is going to come inside. If he's on the left wing, he's going to come inside. Uh, if he's on the right, he's going to get wide and then just cross it. And I feel like Timo is more direct. He causes more chaos. Um, and so I like that. I, obviously, I wouldn't put him over Cho at this point. You know, we talked about Cho early on. Is he a good, is he going to be the one that's going to take that left side? for a while he was right he had a good run of a good run of form and unfortunately we haven't seen that lately so again it, it right now to me it seems like it's Timo's to lose or once Zia comes back and then you throw Christian on the left then it's Christian's to lose but I, I just think that for now Mason needs to be I don't think he needs to start throw him in you know, cup games or if you even the um the little match we have coming up, I'd be fine with starting him in that. Right. We got the two out advantage. I'd be fine with that. But I think in your big games, I wouldn't. But then that brings back to an interesting point. And Parker, you had kind of brought this up before our schedule coming up. It's a little bit gentler, right? Than than what we've seen. Um, especially the competition that we have um if you look at it strictly from a table perspective you know we're kind of looking at bottom half of the table teams coming up so you know maybe this is a time to work out some kinks and and do do some things but i think in with the run of form that we've seen lately out of timo christian ziek i don't have a spot for him in the starting 11. Build my thunder mat. I was I was gonna reference the the, the matches coming up. Uh, that's that's where I was gonna go with it. So the the fact that we have a weaker opposition, I think, is the perfect time to kind of work through the kinks, especially because Ziek is coming back from injury. So he, he I don't think we want him to you know, play every match in the next month, kind of a thing. So rotate him in, have him be on the right side. Uh, but the player that comes to mind for me uh, is, is Christian. When when Christian was struggling. Um, in his slump, he would try to take people on one-on-one. -on -one. He would try to go around people and get, kind of get picked off and do the tricks and not have it work. And this team is good enough where simple, quick, one-touch football in, in tight areas is where they ex you know, really excel. Uh, ironically enough, I think Saul's really good at it. I think he kind of gets flicks on balls that kind of come at him and uh, he plays them into space. That, that He does a pretty good job of it. It actually kind of fits that system pretty well. But when Christian links up with people and they go bang, 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 and then someone makes a run is when we're at our best and you don't have to take people on one-on-one. -on -one. I know he's used to it. And I know Christian's used to it. Christian, when he was project restart, Christian could take on anyone. And we've all seen the clips of Aiden Hazard taking on everybody. You put three guys on me. I don't fucking care. I'm taking them all on and I'm scoring and I'm going to celebrate like I'm a 12 year old because this is fun and this is easy. You know, we don't, we don't have that anymore. We don't have, someone in that kind of a form anymore and we don't need to we don't need someone to run the show matt you're spot on you don't need it it's 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 too much and and it's a detriment when when you go one-on-one -on -one with someone you get picked off you're out of position they go running at you two passes later three passes later they're getting a, a good chance we don't need that we we need our guys behind the ball we need uh quick passes and, and making runs and um yeah, he's not in my starting 11 today if I have to start an 11 uh, in a big match, but I I look at the, the people coming up and we can afford to have Mace out there because he hasn't been, to me, he hasn't been awful. He has been subpar, but I, I don't think he is like completely terrible, I guess. You know, I was, I was going to reference the stats on this one because of course, right? Let's take a drink. Um, I, in in my head, I feel like I haven't seen Mason Mount consistently over the last you know two three months. 
We've played 16 matches to start the new year. He's played in 13 of them. So we and started all but two of those. So he, he's played. He's had plenty of opportunities. The the Luton Town I was going to write off as oh he had Hudson the Joy with him on that wing, but outside of that he's had pretty decent. I mean he had Reese James with him against Burnley. It's I almost wonder if it's an issue where it's like Pulisic where where do you play him? What's his best position? I've seen his best position as an eight. I've seen his best position as a ten. Uh, you know down the wing centrally. I don't know. I don't know what Mason Mount's position is. I would like to think a 10, but we don't really have that in this formation in, in the in the uh, three, five, one, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, yeah, I, I don't really know what to do with Mace at, at this point. I, I think I agree. I was going to say let him ride. I was going to say let him keep playing, let him build that consistency. But the stats have changed my mind. They have altered my narrative. I think uh, I think you sit him a couple matches. You let him rest up. You let him kind of get his head straight. And honestly, sadly, you wait for someone to falter, like a Pulisic or like a Ziyech or you know whoever it is. And then, luckily enough, as you guys have mentioned, and I hate to keep hitting on it, but our schedule does weaken. And then you know you got you got some time to, to work on some things. And one additional thing I want to throw out there, and I said this in December, it doesn't look like we have a tough schedule on paper, but you're also going up against teams in the bottom half. Now the relegation battle is starting to heat up. You got teams with nothing to lose. They're going to come at you. Is Mace the right person that you want out there when it comes to a knockdown drag out game? Because I feel like a lot of these are going to be that way. I think honestly, it depends on how Timo does. And it depends on how quickly Zia comes back. Because if Timo is, you know, just kind of running just to run Timo, like we've seen at some points this year, then maybe Mace is more, you know, maybe more the Tuchel's cup of tea, uh, somebody who's actually putting putting his mind to what he's doing. Um, you know, but, but you're right. You know, you, you look at, yeah, oh, we got Norwich. We dropped seven on them last time. They're kind of a different team now. It's not Daniel Farka running it. You got Newcastle after that. They've, they've got a little bit more fight, a little more spirit. I, I think uh, I just remember catching the stat. I, I don't think they've, they've – they haven't dropped points in eight of their last ten. So – I mean, Sounds they're a right. team that's coming into their own, especially with new ownership. You got that new boost of life in them. You got new new transfers that came in. You know, new, they're a team. Newcastle are, Newcastle are 14. They've won four out of their last five. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're not the same slouch of a team that they were before. No. So, it again, on paper, you know, three against 14, three against 20th, 19th, whatever. Like, yeah, on paper, yeah, shouldn't be a problem. But this has kind of been an Achilles heel of a lot of Chelsea teams is dropping points to the teams that we should beat. I'll raise you one too, Matt. Chelsea versus Luton Town. And we (laughs) almost lost to them. (laughs) Uh, Not even a Premier League side. I mean, you... People come to fight, man. People come to play, and no one, no one's a slouch in this league. So you, you see what teams are made of. You, you get the best. We've always talked about that. You get Chelsea gets the best out of teams. The the, the last thing I want to talk about tonight is uh, is the return of Reese James. Because you know the, there was talk. Yeah, I, there was talk when when him and Chills went down. Of oh yeah, they're they're big losses, but it's something that we can you know, kind of ride the storm without. And I think we've seen this week how much we truly missed Reese James. And I can't wait for Chilwell to come back, but we'll, we'll focus on Reese James for the moment. His goal, first of all, to, to open up the Burnley game. And we scored, what, three goals in 10 minutes? 
it's it, it <laughs> oh fun fact i'm just gonna interject a fun fact get off topic for just a minute kai havertz scored twice in two minutes up until today that was more than Jaden sancho had scored in his manchester united career so just okay. deuces uh, but back to my topic reese james uh just his <laughs> i mean it, it just whipping in balls all game uh, you know, he's a force down that right side. And then the goal. I mean, he has to be the best attacking right back, maybe in the world, but definitely in the Premier League with his cutback, cutback, cutback goal. I, anybody else on our team tries to do that. And we've seen Pulisic and Mason Mount and, uh, <laughs> and Rom and so many people try to do that and fail spectacularly. It was nice to see Reese James back on the pitch and affecting the game. I don't really have a question. I just wanted to say that. I, I will do all of our listeners a favor, knowing my track record with jerseys. I, I will not buy a Reese James jersey just out of out of fear. So I I, I will not do that. Um, I just want to want to bring that up. But having Reese back is huge, right? Um, Dave, obviously getting up there, we're probably 80% sure he's, he's done after, after this year with Chelsea. Um, he's been playing a lot of games and trying to fill that, trying to fill that void and, and do a lot of that stuff while Reese was down and outside of him, who else do you have? You have Christian playing a right wing back position. You have maybe Cho, maybe Trev, RLC, like you, you really don't have a solid option back there. Reese is is definitely, I think, the the number one. Um, and Dave is a very a very close number two. Um, but Reese is definitely the the future of of the club in this system under Tuchel, um, being able to bomb forward and create create his chances. We saw what he can do healthy early in the season and the impact that he made just when he came back in two games, like he's back. And I think that is huge, especially as we move towards, you know, more cup finals, um, the champions league, things like that. So having him back, I think is a, is a huge advantage for us. And not only that, you know, not, not only, having him come back for these, you know, cup finals for, for big matches down the road, but it just eliminates one thing that, you know, that, that another team's going to try to do. Now it just kind of like isolates, like, yeah, they're probably going to go down our left flank. They're going to go at Sar, they're going to go at Saul, they're going to go at Alonzo. Uh, it kind of just eliminates that whole right side. It provides protection for whoever's playing that right wing, uh, allows more creativity out on that right wing. And I, I can't say enough good things. It is it is so good to see Reese James back on the pitch. Finishing speaks for itself. Uh, he put in probably four ridiculously good balls that could have been finished easily in that match. But the thing that like stands out as just like the that makes me giddy as a fan is when he wins back balls just by being physical. And it kind of reminds me of a little bit of like Tiago Silva, where he kind of knows where someone's going to go, beats them to the spot, bodies them, and then just kind of wins the ball pretty easily. And I'm just like, yep, he's back. He's confidence personified on the ball. He knows what he's doing and he's still super young. And he just, he plays above his years and experience. And he's a breath of fresh air, man. It's so great to see him back. And it's, it's tough for me to not like, fantasize about what would have happened this year had chills and, and Reese not gone down it's it's tough and I know that you can't do that and I know that it's not good to do that but he's just he, he adds so much and we it's not a position that we're super super deep in so when when you have to rotate around him you, you, it's felt very very strongly that we're missing him and we have probably said that we're missing him a lot on this podcast in general, but, but we were, and we are, and it's so great to see him back. I, I, he's a very complete player and across the board, he, he does a lot of really great things for the club. And let's, 
just for everybody listening, let's not take away from the job that Dave has done in Reese's absence. Like we've seen almost kind of a, a small little resurgence of Dave in that in that position, right? He's always been solid, everything like that. But even when Reese was out, we saw more of an attacking style Dave. We saw the experience in defense. We saw everything for that month and a half, what you know, whatever the case is. So take nothing away from Dave in, in this whole thing, because he is again. He's done his job and he has done it to the nth degree, um, especially with his age and with the amount of matches that we're playing and everything that was expected of him. Uh, you know, kudos to him for doing that. And having Reese back gives time for, for Dave to, to kind of heal up. It doesn't put as much pressure on Reese to like, oh, well, I have to do this day in and day out, right? Dave has been in a pretty good run of form. So now you have options and you can, you know, save Reese for, for your big matches or your important matches. And then you have Dave who is more than capable of, of handling his own. So um, I, I, I just want to call that out that, you know, it's not, not a slight on Dave because he's been playing ridiculous football um, over the last two months. I'm not, I'm not slating on Dave here, but I'm, 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 I'm walking it back just a little bit because Dave, Dave did, Dave did great defensively. He was everything that we've ever seen out of Dave ever. It was, it was good to see. He looked young. He looked beautiful, but he wasn't whipping at those balls like he used to. He wasn't as much of an offensive threat. We saw him pinned back quite a bit. Um, so I, I love Dave. Dave did a great job. I'm happy to see Reese back because it just, I, I've talked about it on previous pods where, you know, when, when we have Alonzo and Dave as our wingbacks, it's basically <laughs> basically losing two attackers there. You're, you're, you're working with your front three who can't finish and Golo Conte who can't really create much. And then Jorginho who's going to back pass to Rudiger or Silva. Um, and Matt, I know you're going to roast me for that later, but it's it's so nice to have Reese James back. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when Ziyech is back, assuming he comes back in form? And that right side is just peaches and dimes and just just sexiness all the time. Oh, so, my gosh. So the one thing I do want to say is while Reese was out, that's also when you saw Ziyech go absolutely nuts. So Dave didn't have to bomb forward as much. Because Ziyech was handling things by himself, so that's that's just the, the the one the one chink in the armor that I want to point out. But but now we get to mix in overlaps, and can can you imagine trying to defend Ziyech's left foot, and then all of a sudden he lays it off to <laughs> Reese James, cutting behind him, who's going to whip in a ball? Oh my gosh! I I'm not. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I really am. I'm I'm just pointing out like Dave didn't have to bomb forward. Ziyech took it by himself against three, four, or five defenders. He don't care. Like he did it all. So they with that sexy goal play. from that sexy goal that Ziyech had was was Dave on the overlap, kind of like freezing someone for a second, and then Ziyech, you know, had that that top bends finish. So uh, the old man can still draw someone. Yes, you have to respect him. Yeah. But if it's Reese, I mean, he might draw two. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and maybe Not that'll wrong. free maybe that'll free up Rom and he'll have no defenders on him. And, and still, still smash it wide. Ball, thumbs up and clap. Yep. Smash it wide with thumbs up. I hate him. <laughs> also, if if anybody on our pod um would like to participate in our new drinking game. It will be whenever Ram throws a thumbs up, please partake in a beverage. Um, let us know on, on social media how long you lasted until you are obliterated. We, we won't see it because we will also be obliterated. <laughs> we'll catch you on the day after. Be obliterated, but hey, we'll be giving that thumbs up. So all, all is well, right? That's, that's yep. all you got to do is give a thumbs up and uh, 
and then problem solved, right? That's it. Exactly. A thumbs up solves the world's problems. So speaking of our social media, thanks to uh, DJ Parkour over here, we, uh, we're going to have a, a Twitch stream fairly soon. I think uh, this episode, we're in the process of testing it out. Um, no, we're live right now. It's been, it's been live for all, you know, hour and five minutes. So okay. it is live. I think we're okay. I think it worked all right. So we can start bringing people to it now, I guess. <laughs> So we'll, we'll, we'll be sending out, you know, notifications via social media on that. Just know that we typically pod uh, Sundays at 8.30 Central, and that's American Central time, America. Uh, so feel free to find us at Flag Down Pod on twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Uh, you can also find us by that tag basically anywhere, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, you can find us at Flag Down Pod. You can find us in terms of our podcast itself, but again, basically anywhere, Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Again, just search Flag Stays Down Podcast. If you are on one of those, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. Again, that, that helps us to, to spread our bullshit to, to whoever wants to listen, so, so please do that. And lastly... We are going to, uh, now that we're on Twitch, also reboot our YouTube, which I haven't updated in quite a minute. Um, so again, find us on YouTube at Flag Down Pod. Boys, I, I, my spirits have been, list, have been lifted. Ooh, and also my uh, alcohol level has increased. So thank you. It's been, a, been another great week of potting. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to next week and hopefully again, more wins, more dubs. Always the goal. All right. Well, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. I'm all potted out.